Welcome to the Slavic Boat Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. If you want to see Bill run, if you want to see oh, Bill yes. uh, to actually do this, <laughs> hit that like button and, and share, and uh, get, let's get the, the, his name out there, and, and hopefully... Um, you know, he'll make that decision. I would tell your viewers, wake up, and not in the woke sense that they want you to wake up. Mm-hmm, wake up mm-hmm. to what the wokeness is creating. Yeah. We need to tell everybody in your communities, run for office. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to have a voice. Don't be afraid to have a vote. It is mm-hmm. very important to show up and vote. And if you're not comfortable electing somebody who's not from your culture but with the same values, elect somebody from your culture because that's what America's about. We should mm-hmm. all be able to run for office and represent the people. That's what a democracy is. So that's what I'd recommend. Добрый вечер, дорогие радиослушатели. Доброе утро тем, кто, может быть, смотрит нас записи. А если вы смотрите нас сейчас на другом полушарии, то у вас как раз-таки сейчас время, чтобы хорошо позавтракать и готовиться к своему дню. Но здесь у нас в Портленде вечер, и, как это бывает обычно по четвергам, к нам присоединяется... Дмитрий Сашенко из замечательной организации Slavic Vote. И, конечно же, сегодня он не в гостях. Очень интересный гость. Это бывший мэр города Happy Valley в Клакомасе. И я, конечно, сейчас передам микрофон Диме, и он представит своих гостей, и также главного гостя сегодня. Прошу. Добрый день, добрый вечер. Очень приятно еще быть на этой передаче. Как обычно, мы собираемся с нашей командой на этой передаче, имея разных гостей, проходим через разные темы и пытаемся иметь такой разговор на темы, которые вдохновляют. Очень часто, очень много новостей разных, очень много разных таких тем, которые обычно негативные, но мы любим приходить на эту передачу и немножко вдохновлять нашу комьюнити, чтобы мы немножко начинали больше голосовать, больше участвовать в процессе голосования и в общем, в общем, в общем процессе выборов и, и остальное. Сегодня, конечно, у нас будет опять интересная передача. У нас, у нас гость будет, который бывший мэр города Happy Valley. Она очень, очень долгое время провела мэром города и много чего Добрый изменила. Добрый вечер всем. Приятно быть на этой передаче. Меня звать Билл Красногоров, я один из директоров Slavic Vote, и здесь не могу дождаться к этому разговору, Дима, да, очень... послышать, что Лори будет говорить, и какие у нее планы на будущее, и как мы, как славянский народ, можем также подвязаться в этом городе, в этом месте, и сделать что-то полезное. И также, если вы пропустили, может быть, не могли посмотреть, вы можете всегда найти нас на на YouTube, просто наберите Slavic Vote, и там будут все наши бывшие и сейчас, которые передачи, все вы можете найти на на наших социальных сетях. Также наша наша организация, вся информация на Facebook, Instagram, и вы можете больше познакомиться с нами. Конечно, обычно наша организация на два года уже занималась регистрацией голосования, также мы пытаемся с нашими славянами общаться, чтобы немножко их поддерживать, чтобы они больше участвовали. К моему удивлению, очень много людей были такими же, как и я. Я прожив в стране больше 30 лет, вот Первые вот эти голосования я голосовал лично. 
Так что, ходя по этим церквям, выходя, прося людей или как напоминать, напоминая людям, что надо регистрироваться, надо голосовать, в их себя видел так же самое. Да, так что да. а, я, я думаю, очень много славян, которые просто-напросто а, еще не осмелились или не увидели важность в этом процессе. И я надеюсь, что эта организация сделает очень много добра. Да, спасибо. Как ты себя чувствовал, когда ты первый раз проголосовал? Отлично, отлично. Я хочу просто также сегодня у нас будет передача по-американски, по-английскому языку. И если вы, конечно, не понимаете, я извиняюсь наперед, но если вы понимаете, я приглашаю вас оставаться с нами и надеюсь, вы прослушаете остальную передачу. Лори, thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure to have you here. We've known you for a long time. Uh, pretty much from the beginning of our organization and you've been um you've counseled us with a few things and kind of helped us through the way and, and i appreciate that yeah thank you for having me thank you i have to make a comment about the language you know if you don't know i mean i've heard russian before but it, it always sounded harsh to me but when you know the people who are speaking it it's such a beautiful language to listen to back and forth and i swear i understood some of it i didn't but it sounded it sounded like i could understand right. some of the things that you said so right it's nice to be here and and know um, personally your families and the community as a whole of, as we've gotten to know and so i'm excited to be here just introduce yourself sure. tell us about yourself uh, you've been happy happy valley mayor um, for for a while so tell us a little bit about that and just Before that, what drove you to become so active? And I believe you were also a city councilor. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the, what drove you to do those things. Yeah, so I'm Lori Chavez de Reamer. Uh, Chavez being my maiden name. So I'm half Mexican, half Irish. So awesome. that language is probably very different than, than the Russian language. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But again, it, it comes from you know, love and culture and family. So I think that's probably where we're relatable on, on most accounts. Um, I moved to Happy Valley 21 years ago. I, w my husband and I have been, been married 30 years now, uh, but we were young and coming to the community. You're probably still younger than, than that at that time. We had twin girls who were six years old. We'd never been to Oregon. We'd never even, we'd never been to Happy Valley. We had no friends and we had no family. Where, you, where are you originally from? We're originally, both my husband and I met in high school, so we're originally from Central California, Fresno uh -huh. um, area. And so when we moved here, It was one for to be in the Pacific Northwest because it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted a small community that we were familiar with, you know, a, a more rural community that we were that seemed familiar to to us since we didn't have any family or friends. So the community became our family. So that's it's another reason why I love to do what I've been doing and meet new new cultures because it's important to know who one you're living next to, your next door neighbors, who you're working with, who your kids are going to school with. And that's kind of always been since my husband and I have moved a lot. It's always the community that becomes our family. So, and, and family's important. So, I mean, I was involved in PTA. I was involved in parks committee, but city council was something that appealed to me. I have a background in, in business management. Um, my husband and I, you know, I put him through medical school. Uh, we were starting a new business and all of those things were on the forefront but how was I going to foster a community that supported those things and I, and I think we've had that conversation bill about you know you're running a business you're run, you know you have a family you're trying to support them but the community plays an integral part in supporting that right Absolutely. and how to prop yeah. up a, a family or a church or a community um, 
and a business. And so you want to make these decisions based on that. So I thought, I'm going to run for city council and see if I can be a part of that. At that time, Happy Valley was only about 4,500 people. So very small, and it seemed something that was important. And at that time, nobody even wanted to really volunteer, right? It was How many people are there now? Bedroom. We're almost at 25,000 wow. now, right? We've been the fastest growing city in Oregon for you know, the last 10 or 12 years. So I served on city council in... Uh, gosh, I was elected in 2004 and served until 2010. And at that time, again, it was just, where was Happy Valley? There was no mm -hmm. wayfinder signs anywhere, even off of the major freeways. Nobody knew kind of where it is. When I would say I was from Happy Valley, people would say, where is that again? You know, it was kind of small. So my job was put it on the map, mm -hmm. really put it on the map and be um, a wholesome, complete community, right, with our own departments our own you know we're not going through the county not dealing with that and having to coordination is good on some things but when you're trying to to um, really put your own city on the map in your own community you have you know different thought processes or different um, group think that you think you know I want to be a leader in my city so sat on city council for six years um, really developing it and then in 2010 I ran for mayor because I thought we needed more vision and more leadership and and really being at the table and what I came very quickly to recognize is when you're up against Portland or Clackamas County or some of the larger cities you have really no foothold to have any dollars and what you want is we're paying taxes it's going to your county it's going to your state it's going to the federal government but none of it's coming back because you have no lobbyists you have no voice so I made sure I was at every table at the county level the city level the state level and now possibly the federal level because keeping a focus on that and an eye on that is important to represent the voices of the community mm -hmm. and the Slavic community which I didn't know when I first moved here, um, is massive. Mm -hmm. And it has grown tremendously. And it is a big part of the Happy Valley, Southeast Portland, really all over Portland and, and even on into Washington and stuff. So you have no voice. And I think that's where, again, our connection, why I wanted to support a group, because what I know about the, the Hispanic culture um, and maybe some of the minority cultures that are seen is that they don't really trust government. They're not really sure where their fit is. They, they tend to stick together. And I think it's important that people have a voice. And, and I can uplift another group to say, you know, you can be a part of the community and make the choices and make the laws and make the rules that benefit your community. So mm -hmm. that was my focus a lot, along with the youth, which mm -hmm. has always been a big part of, of my um, passion for running for public office and being a public servant. So that's awesome. kind of my background in why I started, what was important, and why I want to now pass that on to new families in the Happy Valley area. Right, right. Uh, you originally introduced us to Lori, and uh, how did you ever, how did you come across Lori, and how did you uh, get to know her? Well, the story starts a while back. Um, we met Lori's husband before we knew Lori, <laughs> and before we knew her husband. He's an um, anesthesiologist, and we were in having a kid at Providence, and turned out that Sean was the anesthesiologist out there, and I, I was in scrubs helping out, I think. And uh, later on, um, I, I started, uh, or I moved to Happy Valley in 2004. And what I really liked about the community is that um, everyone that I spoke with at church and my friends from the Slavic community, nobody ever spoke to their neighbors or got together with their neighbors. 
in Happy Valley, what I really liked is they had that national night out. Right. Um, the city would provide hot dogs and drinks, I think water bottles or whatever it was, but they brought the community together and you would just register. Uh, someone in the, in, in the neighborhood would pass out flyers and we'd all get together with the neighbors and have a barbecue. And the fire department would show up, the police department would show up, you get to meet your city council. Lori showed up to, to those national night outs. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool. This, this is a city that I wanna kind of put my roots in and be a part of. And I don't know how we met, Lori. <laughs> I, sure. I honestly don't know, but our uh, paths crossed, and um, I think I invited you guys for dinner. Oh, yes. And um, my daughter wanted Maybe to be an SC. Yes. yes. Richard so, Chavez. Yes. Yeah, my dad, uh, at, for a period of time, worked for the city of Happy Valley as code enforcement. So that's right. Probably on some of your property sites. Yeah, we probably got in trouble a time or two. Yeah, or making sure there was an issue. He probably, and I think that that's that's the probably connection. it. Yeah, he's like you have to meet this Bill. He's a good guy. He's a he's a builder in the community. He's and he has a nice family. And I think that that's where it started. And then we connected, uh-huh. and and then we had a wonderful dinner at your home. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just the city kept on moving. I know you got uh, the youth council going, so getting the kids involved in the local government as well and uh, kind of planting the seed to where we're not in here alone. Um, The saying that says it takes a village to raise a kid, (laughs) it takes a good village to raise a good kid. And um, it it felt like this is the the city we wanted to be in. So um, I'm glad our paths crossed. And um, I'd, I'd like for you to tell more on your vision in the city and um, like how, how you kind of push that through because I, I don't think the National Night Out was a thing um, for very well, long, was it? the National Night Out is a national program. I mean, right, cities, that happens. It just, it's not always implemented in, in all the communities, right? And I wanted to make sure that, for and the premise is very basic. We often don't visit with, you know, with moms and dads all working now nowadays, mm-hmm. and kids are involved in every sporting event that's not really neighborhood-based and it's not school-based, it's kind of, you know, you're driving here, you're driving there, so what happens? People get up in the morning, they go to work, they come in, they're tired, they go in, the garage shuts before they're even out of their car, mm-hmm. they go in and have dinner, they grab their kids, go to a sporting event, and the community never stays connected. So we can put in all the trails, we can put in all the sidewalks, we can put in all, but if we don't ever get together and know your neighbors, mm-hmm. what's the point, really? So National yeah. Night Out's premise is really more from a safety and security standpoint, that angle of who is your neighbor? Do you even know who your neighbor is if there's an issue and who can mm-hmm. you call if there's a problem in your home? Or And that was the whole point, get to know your neighbor. So this night allows for you to really recognize like, I've seen you drive in, but I didn't know you lived two doors over, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't even know that. So that is that premise. As far as the youth council goes, I thought it was important for this question. And we all get asked this, where are you from, right? Mm-hmm. And people will usually go back to where they were a kid, not where they're from now. Mm-hmm. Now where you live is different. So when people ask me where I live, I say Happy Valley, Oregon. When people ask me where I'm from, I say Hanford, California, right? Because that's where your roots are when you're small and what means something to you and your memories. And I kept thinking, we have a lot of young families in Happy Valley, a growing community. And when somebody asked them where they were from, I wanted them to be very proud of the community. And how could they be proud if they don't even 
really know what they're proud of. They don't know mm-hmm. their neighbors or, you know, we didn't have a high school and, you know, we just, we were a little more of a bedroom community and we were touching other communities, but we weren't happy Valley. And so mm-hmm. I asked um, the staff if, if we could do that, if we could implement um, a happy Valley youth council. And the goal was, okay, let's make some high school kids be a part of this. They're smart, right? They have visions about what they want. They might not be everything that as adults want, mm-hmm. but we wanted them connected at an early age. So we put that together. And the question I asked them on an opening ceremony, once you know we got it, you know who we picked was, if you left here when you go off to college, you go off to higher education, and then you come back, if you were to come back and live in this community, what do you want it to look like? And I asked him that early on because I said, if you want it to look like that, then you have to invest time now. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, sometimes building a business, growing a family, it takes time to move the ship, right? To right mm-hmm. the ship. So that was my question. So when they come back, would you raise a family here? Would you come back and, and, and plant your seeds here and your, and your family here? Well, yeah, but why? Mm-hmm. What do you want it to look like? So we started off with very simple questions, and we did it through a program. It was called Photo uh, Voice, I believe, because they can't always express themselves like, well, I want this or I want that. So I said, go out and take a, a photo of something that either bothers you or that you like in your community while you're living your everyday life. They came back and presented that to the council. And I asked them, they can't come back, though, without a solution to the problem mm-hmm. so, and, and they came back with lots of things we want a community center where we can gather we want better tennis courts or basketball courts or we want trails well how are we going to do that and let's start to think about that so then as the council and through public you know outreach we could implement those things so that 10 or 15 years from now guess what they started it right this was their seeds that they started for their families to grow so that was kind of the impetus for a youth council. And I thought, mm-hmm. that's how we raise our families. Where do you want to go to school? Where do you want to go? To-? We ask them that. We want them to dream and we want them to envision that. So my goal was, along with all the other adult things, make sure to incorporate the future and what it could look like. Everybody loves a downtown. Everybody wants, you know, community gathering places. We wanted to envision that in Happy Valley. So you're starting to see that development now. Mm-hmm. That was years ago that we talked about this. Finally got our Taco Bell, I'm right. telling you. <laughs> don't act like you don't go there <laughs> oh, I do, I do. <laughs> but, one of my favorite so, spots. Yeah, that's the vision process, right? <clears throat> what do the community members want? Where can it go? How can it go? How will it benefit the citizens then? And then, of course, how do we actually get it on the ground through, mm-hmm. you know, funding and, and whatnot? And that's my job then to go out and find that funding as a city councilor or as a mayor. It was, I have the vision, but can I really put it on paper? And, and then is it the same values that the citizens have? And I think that that sometimes is a question that gets lost. I want it, but if I only had one dollar, would you still want it? Mm-hmm. Because also the job of a counselor and a mayor is within the budget, right? Yeah. We have to make sure that it's a livable place and we don't price our people out of the market. And, and we see that sometimes when we're, yes, yes, yes. Uh oh, some people can't always stay there and afford it. Uh-huh. And, and then that's an unfortunate, right? So right. it's those kind of questions that you have to ask yourself as a visionary for a counselor and as a leader. Well, what I love uh, to hear that you, what you're saying is basically you had a vision, you talk about it, and then you actually do it. Right. And sometimes, unfortunately, you know, in, in other cities that we live in, we only hear talk but no action. Right. 
So I do appreciate that. And that's probably why I feel like Happy Valley grew so fast because there was actually people who had the vision and the action to actually get those things done. Right. So I appreciate that. Well, I think it's important in any community. I I, I don't care really where you are. A leader will do three things, right? I'm going to ask you what what it is that you want. I'm going to tell you I can get there. I'm going to implement it. And in the end, I'm going to ask you, you know, what benefit did you have from getting to the end, right? And Mm -hmm. then can we repeat and repeat and repeat? Will we please everybody? Of course not. It's not about that. It's about the masses, right? What, what is it that we want? And how do we bring people along? And that takes a good leader. Right. So your, your motivation originally was uh, you were in business and you wanted some kind of action. So you decided to take action. And uh, Bill, kind of the same way, you've been getting more and more involved in politics because you have a business. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, the political climate affecting the business side of things. Mm-hmm. So both of you have that kind of idea. So how does, you know, for someone who doesn't understand, how does politics affect business? Yeah. Well, <laughs> several different ways, but it, to break down, you have to find out what the barriers are, right? There's very clear barriers sometimes when you have a vision. It's like, well, who's going to go against it? Who's not going to like it? What are the regulations going to be? The red tape, the cost, and, and we break it down in our home budgets and our, I mean, just think about basic TV. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I really want that, but what are the barriers? I don't have a wall to hang it on. God, it's too big. Oh, it's going to cost you. Right? We ask ourselves these questions. Doing the same thing in a business or in a city is important. So identifying what those are and then trying to take them away, the barriers away for the greater good. Well, it's not always the case, right? I mean, you have to find what's what's fair and reasonable to most. And maybe some of the, you want to give me some examples of maybe some of the barriers I think that a developer or uh-huh. builder might have might be different than what my barriers are in the end what you want is your leaders to say we want to get you to yes we don't mm-hmm. want to find a no and throw up more barriers for you so that you say enough is enough and then you leave i mean yeah. what, what would be the point of that that that's not a good mission it's not a good plan it's it's none of those things so the goal of the city council and when i was leading as the mayor was get to yes find a way to get to yes mm-hmm. and then bring everybody to the table and ask them. I had several meetings at the city that I would say, uh, you know, so-and-so doesn't like that. Like, let's get a round table. Let's find all the key players and ask them, why can't we agree? And maybe at the end we couldn't, but we needed to know from mm-hmm. the horse's mouth what really the barriers are, not what somebody interpreted the barriers to be. And we solved a lot of issues that way. It's important to bring every player to the table. So. Yeah, and I tell you one thing that's really inspiring is that uh, once you see people in the community that are close friends, and Suzanne, you might know, she wanted the splash pad, had a vision for it, brought it to the city council, and it didn't take long, and all of a sudden we've got a splash pad in the park. And then it's those things that you um, you see happen from people right around you. I mean, next-door neighbors practically. And you see that you could make the the difference. The same thing. That came from um, a young high. You know, he was actually in grade school when he started, and Uh then in high school, and they followed through, and they kept following through. And he had a vision, but he started as a junior higher, Uh and I don't think it happened for a couple of years. He was in high school, but it was a high school student who said, "We're missing something in the community that the students have identified as important to them, and could we make that happen through?" our parks department and you know all of that same with the splash pad it's not always the squeaky wheel gets the grease it's not always that Mm -hmm. but if you they can clarify what their vision is 
we have the funding for it. We've been collecting mm-hmm. for it. We have the space for it. How do we remove the barriers and how do we implement it? And then how oh, do we yeah. keep it up? Yeah. Right? right. And fund it all the way through. If you can tell that story, you get buy-in from everybody else. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want, what I wanted you to do as well is like there's a the Slavic community and the youth especially, they all want to get into business. That's one thing. But they oftentimes they're not really focusing on the p- political side of things. And so give us a few things, you know, if you could speak to that young person who wants to get into business, uh, but they don't really care about politics. Why is it important for them to be involved in both? Uh, can you speak to, talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, we talked about barriers, but we also have to just know the process in general, right? I mean starting your basic business. I mean, look at some of the stuff we've seen on the national news. I'm just going to take it away for a minute. We've seen the stories. Uh, Third grader wants to have a lemonade stand on the corner of A Street and 2nd. And all of a sudden, the city council says, No food handlers. Yeah, no food handlers license. You know, young kids want to bake cookies. And, well, you don't have a professional kitchen that's inspected by the state. We're like, that doesn't make any sense, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not, that's lack of common sense now when we're talking about that. Um, and so that that can be frustrating. So I want these kids to keep doing those lemonade stands whenever mm-hmm. they can and have their community members come out and make sure they darn well stop and buy five glasses of lemonade, right? We right. don't want to stop that passion for what they want to do because usually they turn into entrepreneurs, right? They're, yeah. They've come from a family of entrepreneurs. They, they see it's being done, but it's not without... Maybe some headaches, certainly some responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think what people forget is they have a vision, they have a passion for whatever, but there comes responsibility with that, right? You also have to give back to your community and you have mm-hmm. to be, that side sometimes is not taught. So I thought that's the council role where you can kind of parallel a city council and really realize what are the rules and regulations? Can those be changed? If the barriers can't be taken away, let's just change the rule altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Not the that's what right. the, what do the people want right we make the right, laws right. local control is very um is something nobody should ever forget about don't let everybody else tell you well it's the bigger governments is paying attention to that local control is important right. one story i often tell when my girls were little <laughs> because i was the mayor and council they thought the government did everything right it became kind of a, a small community they would say mom just call steve Funny, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Steve Mm -hmm. Campbell, who I'm talking about, is kind of a personal story, but it's called Steve. Steve was code enforcement, and he was dealing with the community liaison. And I'm like, why would I call Steve for that? Mm -hmm. Well, because the city takes care of of all those things. And I thought, well, that's kind of funny. Why, Why do people just think call the local government to fix it? And I realized... Because we regulate everything. Mm-hmm. They think they have to to get permission from, right? If a tree mm-hmm. falls, just go get your chainsaw and cut it and drag it out of the road for your neighbors. But instead, we're always like, well, we should probably call the city and make sure they come get the tree. You hit mm-hmm. a deer. Normally, in our grown-up rural community, you just pull the deer off the side of the road. You deal with the regulations, but mm-hmm. you can't do that. Right? It's like, no, you got to call. You got to let them know you hit it with your car. You got to make sure you get somebody. Right? We regulate so many things that younger people start to think, oh, I better not do anything quite yet without mm-hmm. asking permission. Now, I don't want people to be lawless mm-hmm. and not follow rules, but sometimes rules don't make sense. Right. And it's okay to, to walk things back. Right. So for a young person, follow your dream. Do a business plan. Mm-hmm. Really see where you can get your support. Take out your barriers. And then get involved. Right. Education, 
knowing the rules and regulations, knowing what your passion is, knowing where your support is, I think is half the battle. Well, it sounds like these regulations for someone who's just starting a business, it's just a means of crushing any kind of a small business that's trying to start up or even just in general, a small business that just crushes it and you can't really grow. Uh, so as someone who comes from the Soviet Union, you know, there was no place for a small businesses. Everything was owned by the government. So it sounds, I mean, to me, it seems more and more like uh, the government is trying to crush small businesses and to grow more of this uh, welfare state to have more reliance on the government. Yeah, the nanny state is not something that that we want in this country, right? It's mm -hmm. some, the country, the, our country was not founded on a nanny state where it's big government. And when we, when you see the growth of government at a local level, at a state level, and at a federal level, you know for sure that you are guaranteeing yourself less freedom. Uh -huh. Period. The end. I mean, it really is the most basic thing that you can almost watch happen. It's slow sometimes, so you always have to keep your eye on that. Right. I mean. You know more than anybody, if you come from a communist country or a socialist country, it's almost unrecognizable that anybody who's originally from the United States would give up ever any freedom. Mm -hmm. Doesn't I didn't come from that, but I watch it, and I see it, and I hear it. And now when they're talking about mandates, when they're talking about I'm taking your business from you, I'm closing your business and telling people it's dangerous. I'm going to make you put up a sign that says you're dangerous to your people. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make any sense. You start right. to go, now my freedoms are gone because I can no longer provide for my family. I can't put food on the table for my children. I can't put them in a school that I choose to put them into. Those things extrapolate into bigger and more government, less freedom. Right. Uh, Bill, could you, uh, someone who isn't in business, could you give us a few examples how you noticed that there were some regulations that didn't make sense. Oh, absolutely. So uh, this pandemic, should right. we call it a pandemic? <clears throat> um, uh, when it arised, um, I'm, I'm on the board of directors with the Home Builder Association of Met Metropolitan Portland. And um, it's a very strong builder association and they rooted for the builders building community for the contractors. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but Oregon never got shut down. Um, and the, their involvement, that's just a group of builders from or contractors from around town that got together and they said, no, we, we, we don't, we are not a threat. Uh, we could maintain safe uh, distances, safe practices. And uh, as an example, Washington doesn't really have a strong builder association and they were shut down and that had a snowball effect. I mean, it's, it's really... Um, an essential business for, in, in reality. I mean, there's people that were left without uh, furnaces that were running because they couldn't get help. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a disaster. But being involved and um, having a voice does make a difference. And I think that's a great example. Dimitri, mm -hmm. good, good thinking of that one. Yeah, strong membership, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you had like-minded people who thought we, the community as a whole cannot live without us. That mm -hmm. was the question. And you were like, that's not right. And we shouldn't be able to, when Costco can be open, when Fred Meyer can stay open for essentials, and yeah. you deemed your business essential, you deemed mm -hmm. it, then yep. you had to tell that story. And you could only do it through a loud voice of a large membership. Mm -hmm. And it paid off. Right? So it's those kind of things of gathering together and having your like-minded talk, you mm -hmm. know, take your barriers down. Yeah, right? yeah.
Um, to just thank some of our sponsors because uh, in order to be here, we have uh, some great sponsors who help us. So uh, just a few quick shout outs. You know, we have American Best Realty, uh, Solutions 8020, and then the Red Hills Construction. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill is actually one of the uh, vice president, I believe. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Red, Red Hill Construction. I'm, I'm number two at Red Hills <laughs> yeah. Construction. Uh, yeah, we're a small company, uh, build uh, custom homes, do small developments. Beautiful homes. And uh, yeah, we try to showcase the best and uh, have been fortunate enough to participate in uh, great events like the Street of Dreams. It uh, brings a lot of outreach, builds inspiration for people. And um, I, th- I think it's a great benefit for the city too, just kind of right. great upkeep and staying with um, uh, property values, maintaining property values as well. So it sounds like you guys do custom homes, right? We do. We focus on uh, the custom build. So we start with clients from from ideas and dream, dream home inspirations to actually getting all the brick and mortar and getting these homes built. Right, right. And if anybody is interested to learn more or reach out to you guys what's the best way best way look us up online redhillsconstruction.com all right it's the best way to get a hold of us all right well thank you very much uh, obviously you're running for uh for a, a congressional seat and uh that's coming up next year and a lot of folks don't really vote a lot of times in the congressional races or midterm elections so could you speak a little bit about the importance of the midterm elections because everybody thinks about presidential elections but not about the midterms or even worse, local elections. Right. I think it's going to be a little different, this mm-hmm. cycle. And maybe people say that every cycle. But with Portland being at the backdrop of the last 18 months on the national news about what's happening to our state and our city and their surrounding cities, I think people are paying attention. Um, they're paying attention to a couple of different things. The mandates that we've seen come down from uh, the Biden-Pelosi uh, administration has been detrimental to our communities and to our businesses. Um, When you see the lawlessness, the lack of law and order that has been um, coming out to every community in the entire state and across this country, I think people are tired of that. When they see in the last eight months that our economy and the inflation is rising at a rate that we haven't seen in a very long time. We know know inflation happens, but Mm -hmm. not at this rate. And you couple all of those things together, we've got chaos. And when we have the administration trying to uh, rule and um, decide everything for us at a local level, no local control, that we're going to get national, federal mandates about what what we can and cannot do and what we can and cannot say and how we can and cannot act, Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see a change in those midterms. So, yes, I am running for uh, the new congressional seat that Oregon was uh, received this year due to the census and the the growth in the population. It is congressional district number five. Um, We've launched our campaign over 10 weeks ago. We're at the $250,000 mark in the first quarter. That's important to note. Uh, at this point, we have nobody who has decided to think that's a good idea to run against uh, me in a primary. I am the Republican conservative candidate. So if you want to know more about me in this race and pay attention to it, because it will be a long 14 months, but we have to keep our eye on the, on the prize. And we talked about those freedoms at, you know, just, just a minute ago. So LoriChavezDreamer.com, pay attention. It's going to be an important race. It's going to affect all of us. And this is, um, this is not the new seat that's been added, right? Well, they added a new seat, right. uh, Congressional 6, 
Um, but they redrew the lines, so right. it's been a puzzle-making deal. Um, but the lines were voted on just a little over a week ago. Um, so barring any court cases, um, we expect it to stay the same. So the new district will run from Happy Valley area, Clackamas County, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Wilsonville, Lake Oswego, down toward Marion County, a little bit of Marion County. Uh, parts of Salem and then head east to you'll we'll pick up Bend Sun River Sisters parts of Redmond so a completely different district than what the five was prior so mm-hmm. I, when we say new seat we added a new seat but it all all five of them got reconfigured right so, so you yeah. you will have will you have an incumbent then well currently um, CD5 is held by Kurt Schrader Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what Kurt is going to do. Uh, Congressman Schrader will do if he'll stay in five or if he'll move around. I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard heard that. So there might be an incumbent, but there might not be because half of his district where it was moved. Mm-hmm. So right. his people are now in six. So I right. don't know what he'll do. We haven't. Yeah. Heard. So if folks are not familiar with Kurt. Uh, could you speak a little bit about, you know, him and you, what are the differences, I guess, and uh, why would somebody want to vote for you instead of Kurt? Yeah. Well, Congressman Schrader uh, is a... Gosh, I guess he'd be going to his sixth term. You know, they're two-year terms. So I, I asked the question, um, what are we tired of, right? What, what has been benefiting us um, with the Oregon contingent? And I would tell you, not much, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this state particularly has been one-party rule. And when you have the extension of that of five, you know, four out of your five congressional representatives in the same party at the federal level, there's been no benefit to... Um, more of conservative voice, more of the family values, more of the capitalist. It's okay to dream. It's okay to be a capitalist. It's okay to make money because guess what? We provide for lots of families. And the Mm -hmm. whole point of growing businesses like ours is to enhance and develop more business owners and more families and more home ownership. And we want to make sure we focus on those things. And I think those things have gone by the wayside. Um, because the one party rule, right? They just follow the lead of the national level and people are tired of that and people people want some change. And so they're looking for new leaders with new voices um, to bring back all those things we talked about, law, you right. know, law and order mm-hmm. and um, embracing the small business owner again and letting people know it's okay to dream and, and, and grow and be a part of a vibrant community and have that local control. Bill, did you have any questions for, for Laura before I switch to the next? Yeah, I, I, I do. So for the congressional seat, uh, the cities that um, you mentioned that are in this new district, um, there's a lot of Slavic community there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, the Slavic community can definitely complain, um, I, I being one of them. But um, tell us what could be different. Um, well, but. with roles and responsibilities, like I was saying, I don't ever want to disparage people who say maybe they complain, but they don't want to get involved because people are people are involved in lots of things. Mm-hmm. It's not always the, the political side of it, right? They might be involved. Well, first of all, raising families is, is mm-hmm. being involved, right? Making sure you know where your children are and your families are and what can you do for them. I mean, that's really first and foremost, I think, where people should should really focus their time and sometimes i think we forget to look right inside our own walls and say this is really my legacy and i make sure that that is number one number two your extended family right we have our parents we have our you know generational legacy is it's important to leave 
better than the way we found it, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all say that. Yeah. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If we can't leave a better place than where we are today, we have an issue. Um, as far as the Slavic community, though, getting involved and what can we do in all of these communities is, is just replicate what I think my leadership has been in the past. And, and knowing that wherever you can get involved, do it, whether it's a city council, a school board. I mean, we see what's happening in the public schools. We see that they're, the indoctrination of our our young children from a younger and younger age. And when you see the federal government say, you know, we'd like them at three and four years old now. We really want them in school. We're not being able to compete on a world stage unless we put our kids in school at a younger age. I think we're keeping them home for a little longer is just as important to yeah. have the family values um, and morals that, that we want our kids to have. And then when we put them in school, we want them to learn reading, writing, and math. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to learn critical race theory. We don't want to further divide our communities. We want to mm-hmm. we want to be a community as a whole while respecting the different cultures and the different values, right? I mean, I exactly, think that that's yeah. very important to recognize. We don't all have to be exactly alike. We just have to have people want to do the right thing. And I don't I wake up every morning and I say it's not that hard to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to do the wrong thing. But people manage Mm -hmm. to sometimes do that, and I think doing the right thing is important. And and really sharing that throughout the Slavic community, throughout every community that's in these cities that we're going to represent, is bringing that voice. So however that happens, we need to tell everybody in your communities, run for office. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to have a voice. Don't be afraid to have a vote. It is Mm -hmm. very important to show up and vote. And if you're not comfortable electing somebody who's not from your culture but with the same values, elect somebody from your culture because... That's what America's about. We should mm-hmm. all be able to run for office and represent the people. That's what a democracy is. So that's what I'd recommend. Uh, you've never been a politician before. So how do you um, explain to folks who feel like, you know, this is only for special people? Uh, what do you tell people? Well, I think capitalizing on your strengths, right? When I look back now, I kind of think, oh, maybe I was a politician all the time when mm-hmm. I was younger. I didn't know I was a politician, but uh-huh. I was always involved in whatever community, you know, from high school, right? I was in on all the debate team, you know, debate teams and um, uh, Robert's Rules of Order. I was always in a competition for that. I wanted to be the leader. When I was in college, I made sure I was on the boards of my sororities. When I was, you know, putting my husband through medical school and I was in married housing, well, we needed somebody to run the married housing dorms. Guess what? I was the one running the married housing dorms mm-hmm. and making sure, come to the community, I'm on the PTA. I'm making sure that I'm involved. Why? Well, I, probably a little selfish at that time. I was involved because it was affecting my family and my community, and it started there. But then I realized, very in short order, that everybody has these families in these communities, and they mm-hmm. need some help because community is family. At least, yeah. Like I said, moving all over, I needed them as much as they probably needed me to count on, and I, that's the part where I had the strength to do that. So, learning the process, asking for help. Unlearning and relearning is a key because we tend to get, you know, I'm 53 years old, older than you, older than you. You know, after a while, you're like, I know, I know, I know what I know. But it's okay to unlearn some things and recognize that maybe that wasn't the best avenue and then relearn something new. And you learn that from new people, right? And being involved. So I have um, not only compounded and capitalized on my strengths, that's allowed me to to move to a, to a higher level and feel confident in that I can represent the people the same way I represented 
you know, maybe in high school, right? Yeah. I wanted to be their voice. We're a representative government. Sometimes people say, well, what's your position? Well, maybe sometimes not all my position is what representative of the people I'm representing. And that's what people forget when they're in power. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's what do they want to do? Yeah. Well, I think you forgot who you're representing. And you can never do that. I think you always have to remember who your voice is. And it isn't just your personal personal choices. So um, I think you should never stop, never give up, always try. Don't be afraid. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Let me think. No. You're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. You're going to lose, right? And I, and I have lost. And it is not easy to lose. I, when you're competitive in anything mm-hmm. and you're strong-willed and you work hard, it's hard to be defeated in your end goal. But everybody loses sometime, right? Whether it's sporting events, whether it's maybe a political race, maybe it's in a business that didn't work out. But if we all walked away every time we lost, nobody mm-hmm. would do anything. Exactly. I mean, really, nobody would ever do anything. So it is hard to have supporters. It's hard to have a, a team and then lose because you think you've lost for them. But that's what makes you come back because it was always for them. Mm-hmm. It's not for you. And that sounds, you know, maybe it's almost, um, well, it, it's just nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't about you when you're running for these public offices. You're a public servant and you're doing it for them. And so it's, it's easy to come back and fight again, fight another day and say, wait a minute, we have a pathway here. This congressional seat isn't going to be easy. I recognize that. My last two seats were extremely difficult. I raised over a million dollars in both of those races. I knocked 12,000 doors personally to talk to as many people as I, and you come up with, you know, where you should lose by 10% on a generic ballot, you lose by 1%. You know you were almost there. So people do care. You just were in a district that maybe didn't benefit. This district is an even heat. It is an even race as we Mm -hmm. sit. There are as many Republicans as there are Democrats who are going to vote. We just have to tell the story loud enough and strong enough and ask them, do you trust me? Do you trust me to carry your water to Washington, D.C.? Do what I say, say what I do, and then have a benefit for you in the end. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm asking. And if you believe that, then you have to go out and vote. Because that's what this particular you know, is about, you have to vote, yeah, right? You yeah. can't wish it, you can't want it. We do have to move and have action behind that. And, and I have to motivate them and lead them to, to, to vote. And, and I think we will. We're, we're going to be successful in this race because of the story we have to tell, the race that we're particularly in, and my experience and motivation will get us there. Because I know we briefly talked about this as well and, and something that we always come back to. You know, we had some people run from the Slavic community and, um, you know, probably nothing super uh, strong campaign. But I know what, the more I talk to you, you have been thinking about it more and more. Uh, are you considering running? Well, I've definitely been on the table. Um, a lot of discussions right. and a lot of thought. Um, the, the biggest, I guess, fear is time. We, we are an active family, as Dima, you already know, Lori, you might be aware, um, involved with our local churches and the Slavic community and uh, anything we can get our foot in, Slavic vote and, and so forth. And it's just finding the time. You know, we are busy. We do have a lot of um, 
responsibilities, a lot of commitments, and, and that, that's my biggest fear. But I think we're at a point to where we're realizing that this is also very important. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're seeing mandates on what we should and should not do with our personal health. Um, I, I think it's definitely a tipping point to where, you know what, we got to start somewhere. And, and local government, I think, is definitely a place to um, strongly consider and, and go for. That's awesome. And uh, how would you recommend for Bill? Uh, wh what would you say for him to actually do <laughs> Well, I think do I've it? said it a couple of times yeah. to Bill before this, but even if you can take anything from, from this conversation is, if, you, if not you, who? Right? If not exactly. you, who's it going to be? Because the seat will get filled. Mm -hmm. And who's it going to be with? And if you don't have somebody that you can put who can do the work that you can do, then you don't have a choice. And I say that because maybe there's some other avenues that you're involved in. And mm -hmm. I'm not talking about your core because I know your core family, that time is valuable. Mm -hmm. But with all the other things that you're doing, is there anybody in those positions that you can backfill there to free up your time in order to take the lead? Because I think you probably don't take enough stock in the value of your leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You do all these things and people ask you to do them because you get things done. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna keep asking. Your time is always gonna feel very stretched probably through your mm -hmm. whole young career and family and, and whatnot. So sometimes you have to say no to other things where other people can take that lane for now so that you can be that leader because they're probably afraid to ask somebody else because they, ex they think that you're the one. So. That might feel a little like, well, I don't want to be egotistical or arrogant, but mm -hmm. take stock in what people think you can do for them because they might not trust anybody else, Bill. Yeah. So backfill other places and leave yourself that lane. You can do it. You'll always find time, but something will have to give. I would probably recommend giving up some of those other things that you've been doing for a while. Mm -hmm. Let somebody else take the lead there and get their start and you take the next step. So. Gotcha. Well, definitely appreciate the advice, Lori. Uh, I like how we turn the table on, on Bill here. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm in the spot. <laughs> That's for, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a quick experiment. You know, our viewers, uh, if you're watching this and if you want to see Bill run, if you want to oh, see Bill yes. uh, to actually do <laughs> this, hit that like button. And share and uh, get, let's get the, the, his name out there and, and hopefully, um, you know, he'll make that decision, you know, next year or the following year. I'm looking forward to it. I know personally, I'm myself considering writing for something small as well, like, like, like I did this year. It's a great experience. Uh, it's actually kind of fun. And I think it'll be um, just a great addition to our community just to have that uh, hopefully uh, additional energy to drive people to the, our to the ballots Great. and vote. So you're, you're talking about uh, having other people fill your spots. Do you feel that Happy Valley is taken care of without you being there? <laughs> well, I was there for 14 years. Uh huh. I will make no bones about it. I knew I would miss it because uh -huh. I, I really loved it. Right. And when you're in a small community community and you're not doing it for, you know, we there's no payment to be a city mm -hmm. councilor in Happy Valley. Um, it's all for the love of your community and then seeing the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. It was beneficial. That was where the benefit came. So I knew when I left, I felt like, you know, gosh, will they, will they do all the things that I want to do? No, mm -hmm. they're, they're not, right? They're never going to do what you wanted, but could you leave it in good enough hands? We had a great staff. Mm -hmm. Our staff were always open-minded and were always willing to support the council. 
I think the last two years has caused maybe some of the counselors to take a little bit of backseat. COVID, their businesses, maybe they're attending the you know their homesteads rather than the visionary portion of it. But it's time for to step back, step it up again because there's a lot more to do, and people are counting on you, right? That is mm-hmm. when you when you prop your community up, they know you have leadership. That should always stay then the lowest. Mm-hmm. and then and move higher so i do think that there's room for growth and i think there's room for change so again any visionary anybody who has the the history and the experience that you do would be a perfect fit for this community oh that's definitely very uplifting laurie thank you <laughs> awesome well if, if uh, i'm sure we have folks that are listening to us um how would you encourage those folks um to run like what would you tell them uh from your perspective uh, why is it probably more important than ever before to either run or to just get involved, to vote, to just get active at any level? Um, why is it so important right now? Well, I think taking a backseat to anything when we feel what, – what are people feeling today is what I ask myself when they wake up. And what do community members want? So at a local level, from what I learned as a counselor is people get up in the morning. They either have to go to work, say goodbye to their families. They trust that their kids are going to – be home or daycare or at school. It's going to be safe to get there. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a good education when they get home that they're going to safely be able to drive on the roads and it's not going to take an extra 45 or 50 minutes because they want to get home for their families. Mm -hmm. They're going to go to bed and turn off the lights and nobody's going to break in and nobody's going to steal anything. And when they get up tomorrow morning, it'll start all over again. And in the meantime, maybe they go to a weekend event, they have a park day, and it's all what they have been hoping and dreaming for some of those things are starting to go by the wayside as we see it mm-hmm. even in our local communities we see it on a bigger picture in our cities so if you're feeling those pressures it's taken me too long to get to work there's infrastructure i don't have a job to go to because they've closed my business i've now let down my 10 employees because i had to lay them off that's a stressor that people mm-hmm. don't often think about from a business owner right you took on those families and now you're letting them down the government is competing for your employees with your own tax dollars, taking mm-hmm. your tax dollars and giving it away to somebody for nothing so that they'll stay home. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a problem that we want to fight, right? Inflation. I would imagine in the building industry, your supply chain is very much impacted right now. Like You're not getting you, anything. Yeah. Right? Things it's aren't coming to your... It's a disaster for sure. It's a disaster. You go to the grocery store. Stuff's not on the shelves. It isn't because it's not in a truck somewhere. It's because they don't have the employee to put it on the shelf. And if you do go buy it, it's twice the price. You fill up your truck, mm-hmm. your cars, your 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 um, construction trucks. That's yeah, costing yeah. a mini fortune right now in gasoline. So that's a problem. You feel unsafe. You're not sure if you can lock your doors at night. We hear more and more crime is happening. All of those things, I can't imagine, doesn't motivate Everybody to want to be involved at whatever level, supporting a candidate. If you can't run, support them, Mm -hmm. help them, endorse them, put all your weight and value behind them as a candidate. It does cost money. If you can contribute on any financial level to these candidates, because it costs money to get your name out there to, Mm -hmm. we know signage, we, you know, on a local level, we have to have that. We have to have um, supporting events, host parties, all that kind of stuff. If it's a school board member, you're having problems in schools? Mm -hmm. My goodness, I spoke to your community about their schools Uh a couple of years ago, and now look where it is today. We're afraid to send our kids to the schools. Mm -hmm. We're pulling them out by the day and putting them in private school because we don't trust what the public schools are teaching. 
run for your school boards, change those around. There are a lot of different ways to get involved. Don't sit silent. Yeah. So if you don't want to be the one running, support someone who is running. So I would tell your viewers, wake up and not in the woke sense that they want you to wake up. Mm-hmm, wake up mm-hmm. to what the wokeness is creating yeah. and uh, speak up. Go find your neighbor and say, what do you think? It's okay to talk about it because these mm-hmm. are important issues. So everybody needs to step up at right. this point. I like what my friend uh, says. He grew up uh, essentially. If you come, you know, if you if you see a mess or if you see something, if you if you see dirty dishes, you do it. So I think it's it's about time we stop uh, thinking someone else will do it. We have to actually pick up the thing and actually do it. So if you see something that's not happening, you're you're pretty much responsible for that, and so, you have to step up and do it. You know, a friend told me once. Uh, he's passed since then. He worked uh, downtown Portland. His name was Rob Ingram, and he spoke years ago and he was he's been a friend of mine he was for years and i saw him at my first rotary meeting he came and spoke to us and he was really more involved in a gang task force in downtown portland and uh, he said if you live in it touch it or pass through it you should care about it Mm -hmm. right and we do it every day it's not just in our house or in our neighborhood it might be on our way to work it might be in the next community it might be our you know brother's community live with it touch it or pass through it you should care about it. So same issue, just on yeah. a little broader spectrum. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, for sure. Well, and the folks are, are curious to meet Lori. Uh, we kind of starting in, in plans right now to do a meet and greet for different candidates, for different uh, uh, actual elect, elected officials. So uh, follow us on our social media and stay updated on all that because once we have that planned, We'll announce it. So hopefully either uh, sometimes uh, next month or maybe next year, early next year, we'll have that event. Um, so we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. So if you're interested to meet Lori and other candidates, um, follow us and, and stay updated. So thank you, everybody. Bill, thank you once again. Uh, Timur Slog family, thank you for allowing us to be here. Uh, Lori, thank you once again for all that you do and um, for inspiring us to keep moving forward. So thank you. And we hope to see you guys next time. You are listening to Slavic Vote Live. Выборы, кандидаты, стремления. Новая программа Slavic Vote Live. Каждую неделю в прямом эфире. Slavic Vote Live дает голос славянской общине по всему Северо-Западу. Мы говорим и информируем о важном Вашингтоне, Орегоне, Калифорнии. По четвергам в 17.00. Присоединяйтесь к прямому эфиру на 10.40 а.м. Ищите Slavic Vote в соцсетях. Мы на продолжать продвигать свое видение и оказывать любую необходимую поддержку сообществу, чтобы изменить ситуацию к лучшему. Славик Волт Лайф. This podcast couldn't have been possible without our incredible producer Vitaly Zaitsev. And of course, we'd like to say a special thank you to our supporters, sponsors, and contributors. Special recognition to some of our sponsors like Red Hill Construction, Pinmeni Pinmeni, Martinev Realty, and American's Best Realty, among others. If you'd like to learn how to partner with Slavic Vote, you can find more information on our website, slavicvote.org. Thank you for listening and join us next time.